Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. If you haven't noticed, if you've never heard me before, I'm not from here, obviously. I'm, I was somewhere yesterday wearing a sweater that said Canada on it and someone asked me, are you from Canada? I said, what gave it away? Um, we, we came from Canada in 2005 pursuing the call of God. Uh, he called us to this country. I never would have imagined in all of my years growing up that I would end up in Australia. Uh, I was a little bit, I, would, I thought, more third-worldy, you know, that God was going to take us out of Montreal, which is where we were ministering, my wife and I, and bring us to, I don't know where, Africa, India, something like that, and he said, Australia. I'm like, all right, well, that's pretty far away from where I am. So God brought us on this extraordinary journey. And um, I had the great privilege of senior pastoring a church for eight years, which was phenomenal. And then God said, I want you to release the church. I was probably in the best season we'd ever been in. I dealt with all the stuff. It was like, yes, this is what church is meant to be like. And God says, I want you to let it go. Okay, God, amen. You know, just want to do whatever you want me to do. So uh, God said, I want you to let go of a church to minister to the church. And, and I sort of assumed that I was a bit premature for that job. Uh, I thought I would sort of do that senior pastor thing for a bit longer. And then I would have ample gray hair to then step into that other role. Uh, but God has, its own, has his own ways and he, he often calls us when we least expect it. And what we know of God, what we know and learn about Him in the Word of God is that when He calls, He expects obedience. He doesn't just ask us hoping. He expects. And it's really important for us to understand this as Christians because sometimes we like to think God is making a suggestion that might be in our best interest, but if we don't want to, we don't have to. And nowhere do I see any precedent for that in the scripture. Whenever God saw fit to speak, he expected a response. And I'm going to talk to you about a character in Judges chapter 6 whose name is Gideon. Now maybe you've read the story of Gideon. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I was even prophesied over once that I was like a Gideon. But I like Gideon because he's not that typical story. You know, oftentimes we think about people like Abraham. So God tells Abraham, you're going to move. I'm not telling you where. You just have to leave, okay? And Abraham, it says, left the next morning. Well, good on Abraham. Isn't that wonderful? You know? Or like David comes to bring sandwiches to his brothers, is presented with a giant, and runs onto the field. Well, good on David. Right? Isn't it great when you see these guys and they just, they're so courageous and great. But how many of you know that we don't have a lot of those days? We hear God say something. And we're like, oh, okay, Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. 
And then our, the, the real spiritual thing to do is, I'm going to pray about this. Well, can I tell you something? There is no precedence in Scripture that God needs you to talk to Him about something He spoke to you about. He's up there scratching his head going, I think we had this conversation already. And I think I made myself pretty clear. Why are we talking about this more? But we think, oh no, that's a spiritual thing to do. I should pray about this. When we meet Gideon, we see that this is the next generation after Joshua. Now we love Joshua, don't we? Joshua took the land, didn't he? He took the land, did some extraordinary things. But one thing we know about Joshua is within one generation they had departed from the Lord. Joshua failed to do what Moses did. Moses raised a generation that followed God after he passed. Joshua failed to do this, and we don't know why. It's not really told to us why. And so the Midianites have come, and the Israelites are captive. And they're not having a great time. And so we catch up with Gideon in chapter 6 of Judges, and he's just working, okay? I don't know what you do for work, but he's just working, minding his own business. And oftentimes, God will come to you when you're minding your own business. (laughs) Yes? I'm not storming the gates of heaven. I didn't wake up and fast and pray for three hours. I'm just at work and God speaks to me. So he's at a threshing floor because he doesn't want to give what he's doing to the Midianites. He wants to hide it away. So he's there, he's working, and an angel of the Lord comes and shows himself to him. And what we know of Scripture is that the angel of the Lord mentioned in the Old Testament is a pre-incarnate Christ. So who's he meeting? Jesus. But he doesn't recognize him. All right? Because he's working. Imagine you're, you were just building a house. You're like, do, 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 in the Lord. And here's the first thing the angel says to him. Mighty warrior. Right? I'm hammering. He's threshing wheat. And the first thing the angel says to him, mighty warrior. Who doesn't want to hear that, Right? Yeah, I'm here minding my own business. And the first thing this angelic celestial being comes to me and says, mighty warrior. Well, come on, right? But how many of you know that when you're busy, that that doesn't really get you going? It kind of surprises me. It's, It's sort of like this is what we want to hear, but... When he actually hears it, he doesn't really, he's not moved by it. So this is what the angel of the Lord appears, verse 12. The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Now, let me tell you something about Gideon. He's never picked up a sword. So what's, what, what's he talking about, right? What's the angel talking, what are you talking about? <laughs> I have a big sickle. You know what a sickle is? Right? He's just working. It's like I'm holding a hammer. I'm holding a whatever, a, a computer keyboard. Uh, <laughs> and imagine someone comes into your office space and says, Valiant Warrior. I, I don't have one of those like Gandalf swords. 
or, or anything. I've never picked up a sword. I've never had to be in a fight. And he says, valiant warrior. Like, valiant warrior. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So Gideon is struggling with this, as I'm sure many people would struggle if an angel of the Lord came to you in your every day and said, valiant warrior. And this is what he says. Gideon. Then Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord was with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Wow. Hi, Gideon. Nice to meet you. He's presented with a celestial being and his response to the Lord is with you is, no, he's not. Imagine, imagine the audacity. But let's put this into our context a little bit. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we see God through the the eyes of our circumstances? We... He said, the Lord is with you, and Gideon says, no, he's not. Because if he was with us, then I wouldn't be here where I am. Oh, really? But we often view God through the eyes of our circumstances, and we make faith calls based on what we're in. When the reality is, if you've read the scriptures, if you know anything there is to know about God, if you remember the words of Jesus who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter what your circumstance, that promise stays the same. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're in. But God is with you. Because my Bible says so. The crisis that Gideon is having is a faith crisis. And this is what often happens in our journey. When God comes to talk to us, the first issue that we have is a faith issue. Because Gideon is having a hard time believing, if this is what my life looks like, obviously God's not here. Because his circumstances have rocked the country, have rocked the people. But we know, if you know the story, that it was their disobedience that led them. But God had not forsaken them. In fact, the reason why the angel of the Lord was coming was because God was about to do something. So God had not abandoned them, but Gideon can't see it. And here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Are your circumstances dictating your faith? Because that's exactly, you know, it's not the Abraham, it's not the David. David stands up to Goliath and says, how dare you? How dare you come here against the armies of the Lord? I'm going to run out there. It says that he ran out onto the field against the giant. Awesome, awesome. I've heard from the Lord before and I have not run the field. So welcome to the club. All right? There's no pointing fingers in this room. We've all heard from the Lord, and the first thing that we have is that crisis of faith. A crisis of faith will lead me to pray when God expects me to respond. Because I don't believe. I don't believe that. 
And so I say, you know what? I'm going to go and pray, and maybe God's going to stir up my faith. Where do you see that in the Bible? It's not there, I promise. We have this crisis of faith, and God wants to bring us, and God lovingly brings us to this place where he keeps the conversation going. Now, he doesn't have to. Here's what you need to learn about the grace of God. He doesn't need you. He wants you. You know what I would have done to Gideon? And the angel of the Lord smote Gideon. (laughs) Or whatever, smited. Whatever. I don't have time for this. Don't you think that might have been like a... Or the angel of the Lord gave up on Gideon that day. And never again do we hear his name mentioned in the Bible. Right? Something like that. And yet, God in his grace who's got a plan for your life, regardless of your circumstances, in His grace, keeps talking to you and keeps talking to me. I know what I've done. I know what I see in the mirror. I know that He has every right, should He so choose, to abandon me. Because if it were based on my faithfulness, well, forget about it. But it's always about his faithfulness, isn't it? And even though we are unfaithful, he cannot be unfaithful. And so God in his grace keeps the conversation going when you and I are having faith crisis and we don't believe and we say, well, this is happening in my life and therefore God must not care. It's like what the disciples were experiencing when they were in the boat. Don't you care, God, that we're in trouble? Do you think God didn't care? Do you think that God doesn't care about what you're in right now? Or are you having a faith crisis to say, once I was really so close to God, or once things were so great, but now they're not anymore, and therefore God must not care? That's why I like Gideon because I can relate to him. Because I've had moments where my circumstances didn't look anything like what God was saying. I don't, I'm not a warrior. I'm a farmer. I've never picked up a sword. I've never led an army. Nothing. And yet God in his grace keeps talking to him. And the reality is, is that everybody in this room today, God is going to call you and has a plan for you to be a mighty warrior. But we don't see that often when we look in the mirror. And Gideon certainly couldn't see it. And that's why we we see him saying the things that he's saying. And so he's got this faith crisis going on. He's got to wrestle now. God wants me to be a valiant warrior. I don't even know what that looks like. And I don't even believe he's with me. But God in his grace keeps the conversation going. And so let's continue reading in verses 14 and 15. So the Lord looked at him and said, and here's something you got to learn about God. God never will speak to the things he doesn't care about. really important for us to know this. God will never speak to the things he doesn't care about. 
And what he doesn't care about is the fact that Gideon's having a faith crisis. God doesn't say to Gideon, Gideon, please, please, will you help me? God, God's not moved by his unbelief. God just keeps talking to the plan. God will always keep speaking to his will and the vision that he has for your life. So important for us to know this. It's so important. What does Jesus do when he talks to Peter the first time he sees him after the epic fail? Jesus never addresses the thing he doesn't care about, which is the fact that he failed because he's forgiven. He doesn't even bring it up. Story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son spends the whole time walking home coming up with a speech of how he's going to persuade his father to love him again, not as a son, but as a servant. And the loving father in the story of the prodigal son doesn't even talk about it. He just starts rejoicing. But he said, I got, no, wait, I have a speech. I have a remorseful, repentant speech worked out. God does not speak to what he does not see as important. And so the Lord just begins to keep talking. <laughs> Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Uh, it's like he didn't even hear what Gideon, like, I, not even addressing it. Like as if it doesn't matter, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Have I not sent you? I, two sentences I go, I told you you're a valiant war, warrior. This means that I'm sending you. So now he's questioning Gideon. And he says to him, here's Gideon's response. Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. First, there's a faith crisis. Here's the second crisis. An identity crisis. Once we get to the point in our thinking, in the conversation that goes on in our head, okay, okay, maybe he could use me, or maybe he is with me, but he wouldn't if he doesn't have to. He's having an identity crisis now. Surely he doesn't want to use me. Surely somewhere he's got his wires crossed or something like that. We see this in the life of Moses, right? At the burning bush. Moses presents to God lots of reasons why it shouldn't be him. Same thing's happening here. Gideon's having an identity crisis. God, uh, sorry, maybe you didn't know this. But let me offer some information. Um, I'm the least, I'm from the least tribe or clan in the tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the youngest of my family, in case you didn't know God. I don't know. And I'm, then God's like, oh, sorry. I forgot you were such a loser. <laughs> Silly me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never mind. Pretend I didn't show up. Right? Such an interesting thing for us to have an identity crisis before God. Who do you think knows you 
better than you. Yeah. <laughs> Who? God. Yes? Yeah. He knows how many hairs are on your head. I don't know that. My daughters have tried to count their hair. Yeah? And I say, God actually knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows, and David explains this so beautifully in Psalm 139. God knows the intricate parts of your being. He knows what family you're from. He knows your heritage. He knows exactly how many mistakes you've made and by the way, how many you will make. The reason why we can sing that His grace is sufficient is because what Jesus did on the cross was not for what we had done, but also what we will do. There isn't a sin that you will do in your whole life that God hasn't already got covered. God knows you. God doesn't need you to tell him what you can and cannot do. If God's talking to you, it means he sees it in you and you can. End of story. If he thinks you can do it, guess what? You can do it. (laughs) I know why some of you are laughing right now. But when I don't believe in myself, when I don't believe what God has said about me in the Bible, if I believe instead all the worst things about me, if I choose to believe that I am the culmination of every mistake I've ever made, then God speaking something like that over me is like, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm a failure, I'm a has been. I tried once, but I failed. You know, we we go through all these reasons. God, I don't speak so well. God, I'm not that smart. God, I don't know enough about the Bible. God, 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 God. And God's sitting there going, just tell me when you're finished, please. Because I'm not going to speak to this either. Because if he's talking to you, it means you can and this, this is exactly what's happening with Gideon. Gideon finds himself in a place where God is just speaking his destiny over him. He's saying, basically, this is what you were born for. And I am going to use you. And this morning, what you need to understand about yourself is that God has a destiny for you. God has a purpose for you. And what he's doing this morning is speaking that over you. You have to decide, do I believe it or not? You have to decide, am I going to choose to believe what he sees in me or what I see in me? And that's a choice you have to make. When people come to Jesus and they repent and they say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. That's a choice of me believing that I'm a sinner and needed of a Savior. Me coming to that place where I'm not going to believe anymore the lies 
that have been spoken over me. I'm not going to believe anymore the conversation that keeps going over and over in my head. Instead, I'm going to choose freedom. And I'm going to choose to believe that if he's made a way, that there is a way, and I'm going to take it. And Gideon is having this kind of a moment where he just has to choose to believe. That if God says so, then it is so. That if God is speaking this over my life, that if an angel of the Lord is taking time out of whatever the angel of the Lord does, (laughs) to have this very specific conversation with me, then I have to either believe or not believe. You and I have been chosen the same way. And all of us will have to wrestle with this at every step in our faith journey. First faith, then identity. Maybe you've had a tap on the shoulder and someone said, I'd really love for you to get involved in this. And you're like, "Mm, mm, uh, no. (laughs) Oh, uh, maybe you don't know, but I can't do this. And maybe you don't know, but I can't do that. The great thing about the journey that we are on with God is the belief that I can be more than what I am today because he says so. It's not about my DNA. It's not about my heritage. It's not about how much money I have. It's about who he says I am. And we spend all of our lives becoming that which he sees, which will take you places you never imagined. Because you've been called to be a mighty warrior, whether you believe it or not. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, let's keep reading. Verse 16. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. In other translations, it says, You will defeat Midian. Remember, Midian is a superpower. Yes? Midian is an army. Midian is a civilization. And, and the Lord says to Gideon, you will defeat Midian as though it were one man. Bam. Yeah, good. That's good. So, again, he's not speaking to the the doubt. He just keeps speaking faith, speaking destiny, speaking hope, speaking if I say so, it is so. In fact, it's going to be so easy. And I don't know if you've read the story again. I challenge you to read it. Some extraordinary things happen. He says, you're going to defeat it as though it was one man. So Gideon says to the Lord now, if now I have found favor in your sight. Now he's clicking in, yes? He's taking a few sentences, but he's getting there. Okay, so, okay, okay. I'm now putting this all together. Okay, now I've found favor in your sight. Then show me a sign. And this is one of the unique things about Gideon. Is he wanted to see proof. He wanted proof. How many of you know what we call Thomas? What do we call Thomas? Based off of one moment in his life. Thomas has been dubbed throughout history. 
as doubting Thomas. <laughs> well, thank goodness we all haven't been around for your best moments either, yes? <laughs> like, come on. Here's what you need to know about the story of doubting Thomas. Thomas never got in trouble for wanting to see. Read the story. It doesn't say, and Jesus condemned Thomas and named him Doubting Thomas. (laughs) That's not what it says in the story. Jesus did not give him that name. In fact, um, Thomas wasn't there the first day. Thomas never saw. They were all excited. Oh, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And Thomas was like, I saw him die. Now, if 20 people came up to you and said, no, no, they're alive, would you believe them? If you saw them brutally murdered and die, and then three days they were in a tomb, would you believe them? Doubter, doubters. <laughs> you also would have been labeled for all of history. So Thomas is now in the room with Jesus and he wants to see. And the first thing Jesus does is he walks right up to him. Here. He says, look. He responds to Thomas's doubt. He doesn't embarrass him for it. He doesn't make accusations about Thomas. He doesn't say, here's the ones I like, and then there's Thomas. He responds to his doubt. So when we see Gideon now asking for proof, we're like, shouldn't ask for proof, Gideon? Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're asking for proof. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He says, I want proof. Here's the great thing about God. There aren't very many people in the Bible who ask for proof. But God knows that there are different temperaments to do different things. And there are some who will ask for proof. And our God has no problem with it. Now, that's not the principle, by the way. Every time I get to ask for proof, and Pastor Andrew said it's all good. What I'm saying is there are some temperaments, there are some people who are wired in such a way where they need to see. That doesn't make them less of a Christian. Jesus says it's better if you can believe without seeing, but if you need to see, it's okay. Because we serve a God who still moves stones who is still doing miracles, who is still transforming lives. And so if you need to see, you can see, right? And so he asks now for a sign. And he says, okay, you stay here. Please do not depart from here in verse 18 until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And the angel of the Lord says, I will remain here, Thomas, until you come back. Then Gideon went out and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread. And all this, he goes through this whole thing. And the angel of the Lord says to him in verse 20, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay it on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. 
and fire sprang up from the rock. Woo! Come on. And fire sprang up from the rock. It wasn't a fire starter that he had, by the way. Just a staff, just a normal staff. And the angel of the Lord touches the thing. Gideon wanted to know. He wanted to know. He wanted to know. And God responded. What he was being asked to do was something that was totally out of his wheelhouse. Abraham was used to traveling around. Did you know that? When it says that Abraham got up and the next day he left, Abraham was nomadic. That was kind of the culture back then. David was used to going and fighting things that seemed illogical. In fact, part of his argument is, the Lord protected me from the bear, he protected me from the lion, and he's going to protect me from the giant too. All Gideon has ever done is farm. And God is now asking him to lead an army into victory against a civilization. Sometimes it's okay to ask God for proof. To say, God, I now recognize who you are. And I believe that you've called me. And he says that. Okay, I get it. I get it. You say that you are with me. Let me see that you are here. And so here's what I tell people. If God is talking to you, what you pray for is not whether you should, but you can pray for confirmation. Which is exactly what Gideon is getting. A confirmation. But not just any confirmation. All right? This is not like, and then the next day I called my mom and she said I was special. And that's how God confirmed this for me. Chances are most days when you call your mother, she's going to say, you're special, all right? Which is nice. There's nothing wrong with that. I say pray for a supernatural confirmation where God is going to affirm what he has already spoken to you because I believe that we serve a God that confirms and affirms his word. Where God used other people in the Bible to come alongside of and to reaffirm the things that He had spoken. And maybe you're in a place where you you know that you have sent something from God. You know that God is challenging you to do something. You know that you've been called to be a mighty warrior, but you've had this idea, you've had this faith crisis to say, "No, no, I I don't think because of my circumstances." That God is with me. God is with you. And your circumstances will never change that. Because what we know about God is that He doesn't move. We do. But maybe you've had this faith crisis and maybe you're getting over a little bit, but now you're having an identity crisis to say, Okay, I, I believe God is with me, but he could never use me, surely. 
because I've done this, 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 this. Maybe you're here this morning and you had a role, you had a thing, and you failed. Well, thank God he uses failures. Because I wouldn't be up here today if he didn't. This is not about perfection. This isn't about God using the best people in the room. I don't know if you've seen recently, Pastor Francis Chan got an opportunity to speak to the workers at Facebook. And he explained to them why he left church. He was pastoring a mega church. And he said, I left because I kept coming every Sunday and they expected me to be the thing. When God has called us to be the thing. We're never going to change the world off of a great senior pastor. But off of a congregation full of people who genuinely believe that they've each been called to be world changers. That the angel of the Lord would stand in front of you today, no matter what you do, no matter what your circumstance is, and say to you, valiant warrior, I am with you. I have called you. I expect you to follow. And there are some of you here that genuinely do not believe that God would choose to use you. Your identity is so far out of whack. Can I encourage you to hear the same God that sent his son to die on the cross for you this morning? That if he thought his son's death was worth you, then you have all the proof you need. That he would die on the cross for sinners just like us. And therefore, your identity is found in the fact that you are a co heir with Jesus, a brother and a sister to Jesus Christ himself. It's not about your worst mistakes. It's about the greatness of what was accomplished on the cross. And so God wants to call out your destiny this morning. What is it? What is it? What is it that God has spoken over you? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that maybe you've done the whole I prayed about it thing. I'm still praying about it actually. What is the thing that God has spoken over your life that for whatever reason you haven't really bought in because God's asking you this morning to buy in, to get in and let's get moving. Let's get moving because you've all been called. You can all do something that I can't do. Fortunately, one day when I stand before the Lord, he'll never ever judge me based on you. 
That's maybe a really good thing or a really bad thing. I don't know, but he'll only ever judge me on how good I was at being me. You bring gifts. You bring a uniqueness to this table, to the world, that the world needs. Instead, when we abdicate our responsibility, we send teenagers to theaters and to concerts to find warriors and heroes. To these empty spaces that offer them nothing because we don't stand up and become the heroes we've been called to be. You have adults out there searching for gurus business executives, people to follow when what they need is the church to stand up and be the heroes that we've been called to be and show them that there's a different way to live life. There's another bottom line other than money and success because what we know is what Lee Iacocca once said. I found myself at the top and I found myself wanting. But if we will be the warriors God's called us to be, then no matter what our circumstances, we will never be wanting. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Prepares a feast for us in the midst of our enemies. We just have to decide. Gideon does something very unique. After the thing catches on fire, after he's absolutely convinced, he builds an altar right there and he makes a commitment. And he said, based on what's happened here today, I commit myself to be obedient. And here's the challenge that I want to give you this morning. Will you make a choice today to be obedient? to let go of what you believe about you and to hear what God has spoken to you this morning and believe what he believes about you. And to make this morning a morning of commitment. Say, whatever God asks me to do, however far-fetched, however I don't believe in my faith or I'm struggling with it anyway or however much I can't see how he could possibly use me to do that, I'm going to commit myself to be a person who responds when God calls. And let that be my testimony that God could use the least of us to defeat a civilization as though it were one man And so in that, we can all associate. It doesn't matter our rank or title. Can I ask you this morning, if, if this is speaking to you, then I want you to stand up. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.